0: This podcast was recorded before NBA players, led by the Milwaukee Bucks, boycotted Wednesday's games in protest of the shooting of Jacob Blake by police in Kenosha, Wisconsin. The boycott is a historic moment for the league and a significant action to draw attention to the continued fight for equality, for justice, and for the push to address the systemic racism which has plagued this country for far too long. With that being said, the rest of this previously recorded podcast will be about the Sixers, their elimination from the playoffs, the firing of Brett Brown, and the discussion about potential front office changes. Enjoy the podcast. Between never-ending laundry cycles and incoming emails, you've got plenty on your to-do list. Give yourself one less thing to worry about and let DoorDash take care of your next meal. You want Chinese, they want pizza, and somebody is craving Froyo. There's something for everyone on DoorDash. You can continue supporting restaurants in your community safely. There are thousands of restaurants open for delivery on DoorDash that need your patronage now more than ever. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now, right to your door. And ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code sixers. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code sixers. Don't forget, that's code Sixers for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bodner, joined by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, a part of the Athletics Podcast Network. How are you doing, Rich?
1: Busy, buddy. It's uh, <laughs>
0: yeah, it has been a hectic couple of days. Yep,
1: it's been a few days, and and I will let our uh, our devoted tens of listeners know <laughs> that I have been on a few podcasts and radio shows over the past few days. It's been a pleasure to be on all of them. People want to talk, apparently, about how much the Sixers suck, and you know I'm happy to do it, but but I am just warning you that I might be recycling some takes today. I am not a take artist. And I feel like a lot of people have wanted to talk about these same things. That said, I do think that I'm not going out on a limb here and saying that this podcast and we don't care about some of the broad topics that Twitter and mainstream media are batting around. Like we don't care about relitigating Sam Hinkey's tenure right now. And they don't care about I will um, say
0: though, if you if you want to do that, go check out John Hollinger's page on The Athletic. Uh, he wrote a, a very good article on that. But yes.
1: I mean the athletic, gosh, we have we have fifty people <laughs> writing six pieces. We don't <laughs> need to be working right now. But it's you know, it's a big story when you uh you suck at, at that level. But we also I don't think we care about whether the process is a failure or not right now, like, like Mike Greenberg or somebody. Oh, Tony
0: uh, Bruno. Oh, oh, and I, I engaged with him for a brief second. One oh. tweet, I think, and it was a mistake right from the bat. Yep.
1: Yeah. Well, you, you just can't help yourself, can you, Bob?
0: <laughs> not, well, look, after one tweet, I got out. I just got out of that conversation. But it, one tweet too many. Yeah.
1: You you pulled the pin on the grenade there, though. The uh, <laughs> I didn't even see what happened, so, so don't. Um, you know, don't don't pretend I know. I I would think though that most people here care about the fact that this team is in a terrible spot right now and how they're trying to get out. So let's talk about that. All right. So they started off. The week started
0: off um, with the loss. Game four loss on Sunday. A game where they played pretty well for two and a half quarters and then imploded in the final three minutes of the third quarter.
1: That was a mercy killing, man.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That I mean, I was. Yeah. And then what was it? Probably about 5 p.m. on Monday night, word came out that the Sixers were firing Brett Brown, uh, but a move that we all expected. You know, I think we all coming into the season, we thought it was likely no matter what happened, uh, unless they made it to the finals or at least the conference finals, uh, a first round exit, even with the loss of Ben Simmons. It was a foregone conclusion. So we're probably not going to spend quite as much time, maybe not on this one. You know, I think maybe like in a week when we do another podcast, we don't have a you know a, a GM situation or a front office situation to talk about. Maybe we can look back a little more on the Brett Brown era. But I think that's a move that we all expected. You know, I guess we'll just start off with um, maybe start off with the statements. Here's Elton Brand on the decision to move on from Brett Brown. I have a tremendous level of respect for Brett, both personally and professionally, and appreciate all he's done for the 76ers organization and the city of Philadelphia. He did many positive things during his time here, developing young talent and helping position our team for three straight postseason appearances. Unfortunately, we fell well short of our goals this year, and I believe it is best to go in a new direction. Uh, Josh, who cares what Josh said? Um, by the way, shame on Josh for not speaking today, but we'll, we'll get to that as well. Uh, and a statement from Brett Brown in shame 2013. Shame on Josh for a lot for a lot of things. In 2013, I was, and by the way, I I did set out an invitation. To the Sixers for Josh Harris to come on the podcast because he declined to speak today, or at least he didn't speak today. I don't know if he declined because who knows if he was asked. Wow, we're diversifying. Jeez, I didn't even know this. I mean, it's an invitation, but it's like he'd never come on. Anyway, statement from Brett Brown. In 2013, I was employed to lead one of the most dramatic rebuilds in professional sports history. In the past seven years, our players and coaches have evolved and grown, and I have a And I have deep appreciation for the 102 players, which, by the way, I think that number's short. But anyway, I have coached. I think it's more than that, yeah. I think it's way more than that. I think it wasn't 100 in the process. Anyway, like the the three-year process window. Anyway, I am grateful for my coaching staffs and their dedication to our common goal, while also proud to see three of my former assistants now deservedly NBA head coaches and one a major college head coach. I would also like to thank the ownership group led by Josh Harris and David Blitzer, former GM Sam Hinkie, the 76ers' historic alumni, our passionate fans, and finally current GM, Elton Brand, who I coached and worked for. He is a high-character talent that the 76ers are fortunate to have. I sincerely wish him, the players, and the next coaching staff my very best in their pursuit of an NBA championship. Thank you, Philadelphia Respectfully, Brett Brown.
1: Was he missing somebody there from that? Uh...
0: <laughs> there was someone missing, but I mean, to be hmm. fair, I do I mean, it's not like it's not like he hired him, which he tried to. Anyway, we don't. We can maybe relitigate that next week. If uh, if if I was someone tried to fire me and replace me with Mike D'Antoni, I probably wouldn't thank him either.
1: But by, by the way, I feel like a, an idiot. Oh, D'Antoni, he's the other one who uh, who was. I was trying to think. It's Lloyd Pierce, Monty Williams, and I was trying to think who the other assistant coach who yeah. is head coach now.
0: And then What's and d- then Billy, Billy 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 Lang. Yeah.
1: I mean, Brett, I love you, but. You know, I, I don't really think you got Mike D'Antoni the the job. No, yourself.
0: that's not it. it doesn't. He doesn't really count as your uh, coaching
1: tree. The the yeah. other three pretty good, but yeah, yeah Let's not. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> okay, just keep going.
0: We're we're getting distracted very easily so far. Well, there's a lot going on. There is a lot going on. Um. So I think you know you and I mostly have been sort of on the same page. And I, like I don't. I'm don't, not even like I, people like to lump everyone into Brett defenders and anti Brett and like. Look, if you want to move on, have a different voice in the locker room, have a different style, you know, I think the most important thing is figuring out whether Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, first of all, to get them to where they need to go and to figure out whether or not those two can mesh to form the nucleus of an NBA championship squad. You know, if you think, look, do I know that changing the coaching staff, changing the voice in that locker room is going to get Ben Simmons a shoot? Do I know that that's going to get Joel Embiid? to maybe be the vocal leader in a locker room that he needs to be, to be in better condition? Do I know that a new coach is going to find the scheme to make a post-up system work in the modern NBA? And and not only a post-up system, but also one without a real effective ball handler that other teams have to really be worried about on the perimeter and without really spacing. Do I know another coach is going to fix all of that or even some of that? I don't know, but it's worth a shot because that is the easiest thing to change. Um, You know, I think coaches except for when you're talking about like the top couple are one of the more replaceable parts of an NBA program. Um, so I think you know, it makes sense to pull that lever to see whether or not you can get more out of this group. But I think by and large, the problem was the problems with this team are not coaching. And if you would have, if you would have flipped coaches had Brad Stevens on the Sixers and Brett Brown on the Celtics, I think the Celtics are still playing the Toronto Raptors. and I say that pretty easily. And I easily. And wouldn't even like even the, even with Brad Stevens, the Sixers don't come close to stiffing Milwaukee. So if you're talking about what needs to be changed to get the Sixers to where everybody wants them to go, I don't think this is a major change. Now look, here's what I'll say. Coaching I think becomes a big priority when it's game 7 of an Eastern Conference Finals against the Milwaukee Bucks. I think coaching is a big deal then. I just don't think the Sixers are anywhere near that right now. Um, so I think do I what I've always said do I think this is going to fix what ails the sixers no I don't and as long as it this isn't distracting from the real changes then um, that's my biggest concern
1: but do you know what the new coach needs to bring what's been the big buzzword over the past couple of days uh, accountability accountability we don't know what that means but we need it because Josh Richardson said so, and we need it. Yeah. Um, well, also, you need a guard who can dribble and shoot. Mm, but you need accountability, though. You need, you need an accountable guard who can <laughs> yeah. dribble and shoot. You know, it's funny. Accountability, it's certainly important, but it's also something that I think has been beaten into the ground a lot over the past few days. And Brett Brown has as many coaches who get fired he's kind of been dragged and that's been one of the areas that people have pointed out he has not gotten the job done in it. and i will say like whether you call it accountability or just getting the best out of your guys whatever it is his failure to get through to ben simmons in terms of shooting it's that was one of the obvious things to me that you say he's just not doing a good enough job. And to be clear, I think a lot of that will fall on Ben Simmons. I think Embiid with the physical fitness for both of those guys, the leadership. Remember when we had JJ on the pod and he was talking about how rare it is to get the Steph and the Tim, Tim Duncan types where you're that elite player and the elite tone setter for, for the organization. Um, they need to be better in a lot of areas and, you know, a lot will be put on them, but, uh, yeah, it it clearly did not work. Brett did not put the pieces together. Is it completely fair that, uh, he had to play this series without Ben Simmons? No, that, that sucked. Jason Tatum destroying the Sixers in the first couple of games. That's a major deal. But ultimately, I think you can look at both the entire season and what we saw in the bubble, even before Simmons got hurt. And I think it's it's realistic to believe that this team wasn't going to go that far in the, right. uh, in the playoffs, and they disappointed at every turn. And uh, like, I'll just get this out of the way, because we're about to talk about where they failed in, in so many different ways. I mean, I picked this team to make the finals. I'm an idiot. I did not. I I drank the Kool-Aid on this, and a lot of people did. Um, But they they just were not built correctly to go deep in the the playoffs, and changing Brett could have some sort of positive impact. But we said it the whole time. You are crazy if you think you're just changing the coach the new guy comes in and straightens out the painting or or whatever analogy you want to make. And everything's good because it won't be.
0: That's one of my crazy OCD things, by the way, I cannot have a crooked painting or picture hanging on my wall. I can't do it.
1: You a big art guy. What was that? You a big art guy. You don't strike me as that.
0: No, but I like, I have some stuff hanging up and if it's crooked, I will notice it and I will have to change it. Um,
1: who's your favorite painter? Oh, I don't,
0: I don't, I have no freaking idea. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, not, I'm not cultured like that. I just I see shit I like I buy it and I hang it. Um yeah no I mean look I think it is like I said it is natural to get a new voice in here like all those problems that we listed you know a lot of them like Joel Embiid's, let's say diet you know he, Bill Self couldn't get him on a good diet do I think that like that is necessarily Brett Brown's fault no but do I think bringing in another coach to see if maybe he has the right way to get through to them to get Ben Simmons like you said confident enough to step out of his comfort zone and take those jumpers to see if you can get one of them to step up and be more the vocal leader that maybe this team has always had. Sure. Give it a shot.
1: That's yeah. an important way to put it because whoever is the next coach, I really don't want to hear anybody guaranteeing that they're going to be able to do these things.
0: No. And
1: maybe I mean, they can, but, but it's not guaranteed.
0: The one thing I've said all, all, all year is just don't be reductive. Don't think that, this is the one problem it's fixed. Now we can contend because I think you're missing a lot that is wrong with that team. And with that segue, let's talk about the rest that is
1: wrong. Wait, we're quickly too. I'm going to miss Brett.
0: Yeah. Good dude. Good dude.
1: Good dude. And the other thing I will say, please take the year off, Brett, go, go fishing in Maine and Australia, go try and win a, an Olympic gold medal with the, the Aussie national team. You deserved it, man. You deserved it. I, you, you, I, the amount of shit that guy had to put up with. Just in terms of the, all the crazy stuff that's happening, that happened around this team, it, it was a lot. He he deserves some time off, I would say, and he also feel- is getting a lot of money to, to
0: have, yeah, two years, ten million left. I think I have a feeling you're not going to have to spend too much time convincing Brett Brown to um, you know, to 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 go get some vacation time in. I have a feeling that he he uh, he's always said he said multiple times before that like when he's done, he's just going to go get lost like in the woods camping and. Like, I have, I have a feeling he's, he's, he's got stuff lined up. Hey, it's me, Derek, telling you there are 100 million reasons why you should listen up. DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is celebrating the return of sports by giving away up to $100 million in prizes to all their customers, including one lucky winner who will take home a $1 million cash prize. To claim your share of up to $100 million in instant giveaways, all you have to do is download the app and sign up using promo code TOSS, then enter DraftKings Free Football Survivor Pool. Yes, it really is that easy to claim your share of up to $100 million in instant giveaways and put yourself in the running to win a $1 million cash prize. While the top prize is reserved for one lucky winner, everyone who signs up and enters DraftKings Free Football Survivor Pool will receive an instant bonus prize of at least $5 in value upon entering. While you're in the app, don't forget to check out all the great odds boosts and promotions DraftKings Sportsbook is offering every day to celebrate this week's basketball and golf action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TOSS to claim your share of $100 million in instant giveaways and put yourself in the running for the $1 million cash top prize. That's promo code T-O-S-S to get your share of $100 million in prizes, only at DraftKings. Must be 21 or older, Pennsylvania only, in partnership with Meadows Racetrack and Casino. Other terms and conditions and restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. And now back to the show. So, outside of that, the news that came on Monday is that the... F- uh, let's see. It is expected to be a precursor. This is from Adrian Wojnarowski. expected to be a precursor for more upheaval with the 76ers whose senior leadership, which includes general manager Elton Brand, will begin exploring changes in the front office structure. And then Brand came out and, you know, pretty much said a lot of that, that he's going to evaluate everything. He wouldn't get into names specifically. Some names w- were brought up and he said he didn't want to specifically Alex Rucker. Who was largely viewed as a second in command and he declined to get into specifics and said he didn't want to scapegoat Scott the organization. Too, right? Scott O'Neill was brought up. He, I mean Elton doesn't have the purview to fire Scott O'Neill, but yes, he was brought up too. Uh
1: like, so I guess I think those were the two names. But.
0: Yeah, those are like the only two names brought up. <sighs> this is tough. Let me so let, let, me, let, uh, let me sort of like TLDR sort of like the whole situation. And we can go from there. Elton pretty much admitted on Tuesday that when he was hired two years ago, he wasn't ready. And he also pretty much admitted that when he was hired, he didn't have full autonomy. Or at least as much autonomy as a typical lead basketball executive had. Can
1: I read that quote in full, by the way? Go for it. I wish I had it up. It was my, it was
0: <laughs> a, I thought you did.
1: It was, it was my wonderful question, too, by the way. I'm going to take credit for that. Why did we put it in this big Google doc? Um, I've, I've got it if you want. Okay. I got it. So the, the question was just, you know, after he, he had mentioned that collaboration would be ending and that's something yep. I want to talk about.
0: We feel uh, that the collaborative days didn't work out too well.
1: Yep. I asked him just like, okay, so over the last two years, would you say that you've had the normal amount of autonomy that a president of basketball operations or general manager, whoever's leading the basketball operations has. And he said, well, I'd I'd say it grew. I was a rookie thrusted into the position to lead a team with championship aspirations that the fan base sacrificed and struggled for, for some years. I assume my understanding of the game grew and how to manage and how to lead. I'll admit I didn't know a lot, but now I do know a lot more. I've been through every situation there is. So I'm looking forward to leading this offseason and figuring out how to get us back on the right path.
0: All right, so let's let's TLDR this. I didn't know a lot, so I needed that support structure in place. We didn't do a good enough job over the last two years, so I'm going to replace that support structure, and now I'm going to be the lead decision maker. How do you sell that to fans?
1: How do you sell that to anybody?
0: He, he legitimately said, I didn't know enough. I needed these guys. These guys didn't do good enough. And in those two years, I've learned enough to be the lead decision maker to pull this team out of what, quite frankly, is not an envious position at all because of where they stand in terms of talent, resources, and salary cap.
1: How? It's tough. They're going to sell to everybody that... We were basically running a WeWork as a basketball, <laughs> an NBA like franchise, right? as just a shared workspace where people came in and all of these people offered their decisions. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier with being wrong about this specific Sixers team, one thing I was not wrong about, you were not wrong about, this collaboration bullshit. We called that out the second they they talked about it. This, you know, they, they pretended they were so special with this collaboration. Oh man, we, we're going to go from all of these voices and we listen to everybody, and that's how we make group decisions. Every organization in the MBA has collaboration. Right.
0: Being, Every, being collaborative doesn't mean that one person doesn't have final say. Those are not mutually exclusive at all.
1: What you are selling to us right now is that you had no, no real structure. And that is terrible. That makes the last couple of years, if completely true, that makes the last couple of years such a joke, a, a clown show. You're saying that in the last two years, like you said, not an envious position right now. Why? When they were in an envious position over the last two years, they had this collaborative structure and they wasted their chances with this terrible structure that that is the charitable read of what elton brand said and that is a terrible explanation yes and it, yes, it's it it, and it's not just poorly reflecting on brand it mainly poorly reflects on josh harris and the organization not having you hired a gm and, and he's telling us almost 2 years after he got hired we are I think it's like next month is 2 years yep. since Elton Brand has officially been the general manager.
0: And and this like this month is 3 years since he first got into an NBA front office. Not even NBA G, G League front office. 3 years since he's been a part of an N- of a of a of, a, of a, fr- a basketball front office.
1: And we're and we're 2 years after he got the job. And he admitted today that I really haven't had the job for 2 years. And that is why I still have the job because frankly, that's his selling
0: point. His selling point is now I have autonomy.
1: It's a really bad selling point. It's awful.
0: This is, this is, this is so weird. You, there there is no other GM in a league who has only three years of of NBA experience. There's, there's none. The whole reason this was potentially viable is because you had sold fans two years ago that you had an all-star group of cast underneath him. Now you're blaming the all-star group of cast and you want the inexperienced GM to lead the show... And oh, by the way, the last two years have been a shit show. Like, if they had nailed the last two years, and you could say, hey, Elton Brand, here's proof that he's a rising star. You have not a single decision to use as that proof that he is a rising star. You have nothing to make the fans feel confident with. And you just want them to believe these guys down here, they were the problem. We're gonna get get rid of them, let Elton build his team, and everything is gonna be okay. It's crazy it's this is nothing i don't blame elton one bit he should never been put in a position where you know i think a lot of people two years ago felt this was a team that was set up this was a team that could pretty much run itself no like because the sixers were in such a and remember go back they had just come off a season where they won 52 games they had gone to the Eastern Conference Semifinals, even though nobody really expected them to. I think the over-under coming into the season was like 40 wins. They like, drastically outshot it. You had two superstars, or two stars. Well, don't want to go too far. No, two you, you, you got to
1: drop the super after this, this <laughs> two year stars for both of them.
0: and in Embiid and Simmons, who were 24 and 21 at the time. You had max cap space, and you had trade assets. And I think a lot of people looked at it and said, well, look, this is such an envious position. You don't need to rock the boat. Just Hire someone, keep everyone that you can, and keep going forward. But if the Sacramento Kings, and this is what I wrote at the time, if the Sacramento Kings go out and they make a mistake with their GM, you go, oh, well, we're two more years behind in our rebuild. If you go out and you make a mistake with your GM, you've wasted a golden opportunity, an opportunity that you will never get back. You will never get that that flexibility, that combination of relevance, of being a really good team of having foundational pieces and having flexibility. You will never get that back. That is gone. So for you to have gone out there and entrusted this with, it's one of two things, the most inexperienced GM in the history of the league or the most complicated collaborative bullshit structure, which turned out not to work out. It's maddening. And then you have Josh Harris now who for the third time is like, I don't really want to conduct a GM search. Well, what the fuck are you doing owning the team? Pardon my French. What are you doing owning the team? You had a GM opening in 2016. You hired your advisor's son. You had a GM opening in 2018. And you said, eh, let's get that G League GM and keep the rest of the staff rather than doing a real legitimate GM search. Now you've got a thing where you're like, well, the basketball operations staff hasn't been good enough. Let's get rid of the underlings and keep that inexperienced GM. And it's like, why are we so averse to going out and trying to find a qualified lead executive to lead this team through the most crucial part of the modern history of the team. I, I just, and none, again, none of that is about Elton Brand himself. Almost nobody after three years of experience in a league would be ready for this job. It's just, I don't, I don't get it. All right, let's pause for a brief break to hear from Manscaped. Live sports are back. It's very possible that we may see an NBA playoff matchup between the Clippers and Nuggets. That's why our partners at Manscaped have partnered with us to make sure your nuggets are as safe as possible for when that matchup happens. Manscaped is here to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. The Lawn Mower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and skin safe technology, your snags will be reduced. They actually just released their Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is the perfect add-on to their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. The Shears 2.0 is a luxury four-piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools, and it includes slash tip tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. Their Perfect Package 3.0 comes with a new and improved lawnmower, a waterproof cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when we're done quarantining. The Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with a crop preserver and crop reviver. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscape.com and use code THEATHLETIC20. Take your grooming game to the next level. And now back
1: to the show. And maybe they do find somebody. You know, Elton, he did- He left open the door, yep. He did have some kind of cryptic comments where he mentioned, maybe there could be someone over me. At least I got the vibe on that. I don't have the exact quote in front yeah, of me. Yeah, here, here, here's what it is.
0: He was basically asked whether or not there are talks that he would be elevated to president of basketball operations. And he said, you know, my job is to fix it, fix what happened, our failures. That's what I'm working on now. We've had some candid conversations, but the option will be open. If the talent is whatever the talent is, that's going to fix this. We're going to do the right thing for the organization. Uh, we're not going skip to skip any steps to better the organization, regardless of who that is and how it plays out. So it sounds like he is saying if they find a lead executive, there's an option to it. But he also, at various points throughout the, the press conference, said, I'm the lead executive. I'm making these decisions. This is my ship now. So it, is, was he the, is he
1: confusing. the one doing the hiring? You know, like that's the, the best case scenario from it. Like that's the way they could have an actual GM search. It would just be the former GM hiring the new one, which is not really how a normal team operates again. Look, <laughs> look, I agree with you on this. You were – Spot on on all of that. And I'll just say this. Everybody talks about accountability for Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and Brett Brown. Where is the accountability for this front office? The In propping up Brand, if it's if he is actually going to continue to lead this front office and he actually has the power, in justifying why he gets that role, you're basically saying that our last two years were a complete joke. And now, sorry, your Josh Harris, David Blitzer, your past few years and your past few GM searches, you don't get the benefit of the doubt on a halfway measure again. You do not. And, you know, I get it. They apparently picked up Elton's contract. I think Woj reported that, or Shams reported that, one of them.
0: Yeah, who cares? You just ate two years of Brett Brown's contract. You can eat a year of Elton. Like, sell, sell another second-round pick. I don't
1: <laughs> i don't know what else to say except this bullshit i it's
0: here's here's there's nothing the,
1: good, there's nothing good about this
0: no here's what i wrote back in 2018 and, and remember at the time you know sort of the thought was that brett brown would have a little more say in basketball operations there was concern he would be doing both jobs and, and elton over the course of of the time since has said that that shifted and brett started reporting to elton rather than reporting to josh harris Uh, These concerns, and I'm talking about Elton's inexperience and Brett Brown's having too much say in player personnel, have almost nothing to do with either Brett Brown or Elton Brand as individuals, as basketball minds, as workers, or as leaders. Maybe Brand truly is the best basketball mind available to the Sixers at this time, a gem hidden in their organization, someone whom the ownership group doesn't need a track record of performance to determine his talent and readiness. And maybe Brown is a rare coach who can balance dealing with the day-to-day shortcomings of a team while also maintaining the longest view in the room. Neither would be the first in their new roles to do so, but betting on both of those being the case is quite the risk for the Sixers to take at this crucial moment in franchises' history. And I feel awkward reading something that we wrote, but the reason I do it is because these concerns were so obvious. And after two years where it didn't work, you're doubling down on the inexperienced GM with not only no track record now, but with a bad track record. It's it's mind-boggling.
1: I don't really have anything positive to say. I mean, he said some stuff that I liked that he wasn't going to trade Simmons and Embiid. I agree with that. Good for him. I think he understands what he wants in the next head coach. I'm sure he'll do, you know, a thorough job trying to find that guy. But it's just it, the problem with this team is how it was built and the person who is not demonstrated he uh, he could build this team. And, and you're just absolving him of two years. Like Again, I don't know exactly who makes all of these decisions because of this convoluted power structure that you mentioned. But we're just going to completely absolve him? He had nothing to do with Al Horford? He had nothing well, to do with Tobias Harris?
0: What's interesting, so I, I guess accountability is a great word because it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of accountability when you're the, the guy at the top gets a stay, and the underlings have to take all the blame for it.
1: It's like in the NFL when they fire both coordinators. That never
0: works. Right, right. When, 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 when Andy fires his coordinators, you know he's on thin ice. Um, it was interesting how he sort of blamed analytics a little bit. He didn't oh, outright say analytics were the problem, but he oh my did God. multiple times say we need more basketball minds, we need more basketball people. In the front office, which is weird because that's, that's his role having played the game for as long as he did, you know, where is my quote? Hold on.
1: Well, and and I'll just say, as you're looking for this, they have built a massive analytics staff and, you know, a massive scouting staff too. They have both. They have this gigantic organization. There are plenty of basketball centric people in here. And the, the other thing is I look, I don't know what the discussions were this summer, but you're telling me there aren't any numbers that said, Hey, Josh Richardson, Al Horford and Tobias Harris might oh, not be able yeah. to shoot. <laughs> we're blaming that just on the numbers. Well, like, the, sp- the spreadsheets ganged up on you on that one. <laughs> I don't know, you're, man.
0: It's, it's amazing. So I, I looked this up for the piece I wrote um, on, on, on today's events. Jimmy Butler an analytics darling. Like analytics love Jimmy Butler legitimately real plus minus ESPN's RPM had him sixth in the entire league, not at his position, not on the Sixers in the entire league in 2016, 17 and 11th in 2017, 18 fun, in the four. In fun, the four funny, years,
1: funny story, by the way, when they acquired him, I talked to somebody in their analytics department. And I was like, what do the numbers say about him? And the person said to me, and I quote, he's really fucking good.
0: Yeah. Um, his, he had a, an average of a plus 4, 5.4 box plus minus in the four years leading up to when the Sixers declined to offer him a max contract extension. Now, by comparison, Tobias Harris in the four years before the Sixers offered him that extension ranked 126th, 127th, 80th, and 178th in RPM with an average box plus minus of 1.7. They chose the guy who analytics told you to run away from. Analytics have always told you Tobias Harris is overrated. Always. And they let go. Now, granted, Butler's, a, a, there's, there's extenuating circumstances there. But they let go the guy who analytics adores. And look, painting analytics as like one brush, like analytics are numbers. But how one a- analyst interprets those numbers and values those numbers and applies those are different than another analyst. How one team does is another. But by and large, analytics tell you a couple things. First of all, embrace the three-point shot. Embrace it. Get guards who can create off of a screen. Get guards who can shoot from 30 feet. Get rid of the post-up game. Just pretty much get rid of it. Now, the analytics don't say that about Joel Embiid, but on almost everyone else in the league, it's like just fucking abandon the play. It's it's horrible. And avoid mid-range shots unless it's like a late clock or a superstar. Like your, your, your average guys, your third or fourth or fifth options, should not be shooting mid-range shots. What do the Sixers do? Tobias Harris and Al Horford all want to post up. Even Josh Richardson sometimes. They get rid of Landry Shamit and J.J. Redick. They have no real consistent three-point shooters. And Richardson and Tobias Harris love the pull-up mid-range game. None of these are analytics decisions. To go out there and be like, we need more basketball guys because that could have helped us
1: avoid these mistakes. No. It's lazy. It's lazy (sighs) and people will probably run with it because they just won't do their homework on it and some people will my parrot that that line that is lazy and it's Not wrong parrot
0: that line parrot two lines he said that twice
1: yeah it's wrong it's it's just it's to to blame the decision making on that is again the the lack of accountability here is it's hilarious how little of it is from the the people who are putting this product on the floor we'll be right
0: back to the show after this quick break Speaking of accountability, Josh Harris, who touted collaborative decision making, the best decisions are frequently those that come from a collaborative process. Your GM came out today and said it didn't work. Where were you? You should have been there talking about why you need to fire your coach. You should have been there talking about why you need to revamp the front office, which you wouldn't let the previous GM candidate revamp.
1: It's, it's tough, too, because, you know, they, they did come out and say, like, oh, we failed. We knew we sucked. But you're not making the steps where I really see the I don't even I don't care how sorry they are. Just fix the problem. Do things yeah, right. differently.
0: And like I get I get I get Elton Brand. He would want his own staff like he didn't hire these guys. I, I get his motivation to a keep his job and b hire his own staff. I get all that. It's just I don't I don't know how you sell. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't know how how I like what what's like Josh Harrison the part of the reason you ended up with Elton Brand is they didn't want to get rid of these guys. Now they're saying we have to get rid of these guys. Um, but we're not going to do a GM search. It's just it's it's confusing.
1: It's confusing. I'm I'm more confused than ever. I I have no idea what is going on.
0: <laughs> it's just I re- I really thought either they're getting they're changing the entire staff or they were changing none of the staff. Like I don't know yeah, like we on. don't even know we don't even know who they're gonna change like at this point he said he's evaluating everyone I
1: don't. well guess don't. what most people who are making the big decisions Elton I'll evaluate bad job that's that's what I'm <laughs> yes. saying and they could improve and you know that the thing is too it's just whoever it's whoever's making the final decision who's doing a bad job the, the NBA front offices that screw up this idea that some of these people aren't smart or whatever like we're not saying that we're just saying. So, that whatever the hell happened over the past few seasons was terrible and you need to be accountable and frankly somebody else should get a chance to fix this mess that's not to say that Elton Brand might not be able to fix this mess like it's again it, maybe he really didn't have this power structure and and it really was just all these crazy voices inside josh harris's ear just swaying and and taking things away from who is supposed to be your lead basketball ops guy. But I just don't want to hear it right now. I don't think any fan wants to hear it either.
0: How? I don't know. <laughs> they just, they, they can never do anything straightforward. They can never do anything straightforward. I don't get it. Anything else? Oh, geez. I don't know. Between this podcast and the one with Sam Vicini the other day, it's not been not been the favorite podcast I've ever done but no
1: I don't know if I have anything anything else I will say that uh not not a great series for the big fellow I don't want to get too into that maybe we can talk about that as the off season goes along but you know this roster that they have right now there are questions that literally need to be asked of every player up and down the roster Maybe not Shake Milton. I like Shake Milton as a ninth man. How about that? <laughs> Matisse, may, Matisse, maybe if he learns how to dribble. But yeah, dude. his uh,
0: Joel's defense was way down. Um,
1: I, I went into that series thinking, how are the Celtics going to adjust to him? And I left that series thinking, how is he going to adjust to them? No. Yeah. And I'm not sure, he. I think he knows that there's a problem. I'm not sure he knows how to fix it. And I'm not sure it's all his fault either. But as far as, you know, you mentioned to Ben and Joe, the, the superstar tag. Both of them have questions to ask about themselves. Because as, as good as Ben Simmons would have been for the Sixers in terms of guarding Jason Tatum, creating a three for these guys who just can't create any shot, for themselves would have been really important. Guess what? His spacing concerns would have still been a problem in the class. So,
0: Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. <sighs> All right. I don't, anything else you want to get in there at the end? I feel like do you, want, do you want to take stabs on the next coach? I guess we can probably leave that for the next one. I don't think anyone's going to be hired here in the next couple of days, but who knows?
1: Maybe. I, you know, I, I think st- some of the names that I'm hearing, again, I wouldn't have a, a problem with uh, like somebody like Ty And in general, the, the idea of somebody who coached in June basketball games and handled LeBron James and worked in that pressure cooker on a daily basis, that's pretty important. That's this whole job. Now, I don't know what his relationship would be like with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, and that's the whole job, but from a a general temperament and understanding what's expected of your top players and all that good stuff. He seems like a a fine candidate personally, but I just, you know, it's, it's tough to get excited about that when, when it seems like there are major problems that aren't being addressed in the right way. Very positive.
0: Yeah. Well, luckily we get an off season now, so we can, We can be pot? No, probably not. Probably not. Uh, Our second off season of the season. Yeah. Anyway, thank you for jumping on, Rich, and we will talk to you soon. See you, man.